Hold the Line with Mike Solon is brought to you by the Seattle Police Officers Guild, Seattle's public safety voice, and by Heart to Heart Medical Supply. Heart to Heart is an American company offering FDA-registered respirator masks at the lowest prices. Heart to Heart offers free same-day shipping, and by using the promo code DELTA at checkout, you can receive 5% off your entire order. Visit hearttoheart.com. That's H-A-R-T, the number two, H-A-R-T dot com. Heart to Heart, where great masks are just a click away. Welcome back to Hold the Line with Mike Solon. I'm here with you again, as it just seems every day, almost by the hour, the news cycle changes, something impacts public safety, and we're playing catch-up. It's time we stop playing catch-up and we get proactive. Is that what's needed now, proactivity from policing? Well, I can tell you, based upon the reform bills, a lot of cops are scared. But we're not going to get into that today because that would be another podcast, and I want to bring a special guest in for that discussion. Right now, we're going to deal with the mayor's order mandating vaccines for city employees or you face termination. Stand by. This far, no farther. This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish. Not a fight. All right, so the vaccine mandate, what does it mean? Well, we have just a certain amount of weeks to be able to get this vaccine or you're going to get terminated. At least that's what the mayor is saying. Obviously, King County is saying that as well, along with state employees. So what are we to do? And I can tell you right now that we could potentially have a lot of officers that could be terminated by this mandate. As If you haven't seen it by now, the vaccine mandate we responded to just a few days ago and we released a press release to the media. Anybody wanted to digest that on August 9th. Here's what it says. The Seattle Police Officers Guild believes that the city of Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin's announcement today ordering all city workers, city of Seattle workers, to be vaccinated against COVID-19 by October 18th, 2021 or face termination is a mandatory subject of bargaining. Mayor Durkin's timeline for vaccination doesn't provide enough time for labor relations to bargain the decision of effects. Spog was not consulted with this decision, which is true. The question remains, if our community is 82.5% vaccinated and the majority of Spog members are vaccinated against COVID-19, why now mandate the vaccines? I think that's a pretty good question to ask. Spog members have continued to work on the front lines during COVID-19. We have a low transmission rate. Yes, we do. Backed up by the numbers. While other city workers were allowed to work from home, Spog members, excuse me, Spog members continued to serve our community. Spog is concerned for the safety and well-being of all of our members, including those with personal vaccination beliefs. Our Seattle community is already experiencing a Seattle Police Department staffing crisis. As you know, we have 300 gone. Thanks, Council. Given this crisis, which in part 
resulting in another alarming crime wave. Obviously, we see that the crime wave is out of control here. Historic numbers. Can Seattle now endure more losses of police officers due to Mayor Durkin's vaccination order? We would lose more cops 100%. And obviously, in the Seattle Police uh, Officers Guild is still the largest police labor union in the state of Washington. We represent over 1,000 sworn members and sergeants. We used to be above 1,300, touching almost 1,400. But now, thanks to the council, that defunding nonsense that they push based upon the activist mob, we've lost 300 coppers. I'll continue to say that to them, blue in the face. It's unconscionable to do that. So check out our press release if you want a copy of your own, seattlepoliceofficers.com. Links in the description. Now, clearly, this isn't about whether the vaccine works. It's got nothing to do with that. That's not our lane. Let's leave it up to science and the experts to talk about that. This ties in directly to if the mayor is pushing more police officers, which she did a couple weeks ago, obviously reacting to the alarming crime wave that's impacting Seattle. Well, then how can you tie a mandatory vaccine when you know that you're going to have a certain amount of your workforce, particular police officers, that don't want to get this vaccine? And I remind the public, majority of us are already vaccinated. But this isn't about that. It's not about politics. It's not about the debate with science. It's around why are you tying in termination with this? If you're advocating for more police officers because you know crime is on the rise, you need more cops because of what the city council did. Why are you threatening us with our jobs if you don't get this term, uh, this vaccination? It's unbelievable to me. doesn't make any sense. But yet, they really haven't approached us with bargaining this. So is Seattle really that protective or respectful to labor? I can tell you a lot of city unions are losing it over this mandatory vaccine. It's not just the police, public safety. It's all city, not all city unions, but a lot of them. So we'll see how it shakes out. Now, how does this match into what I just got done talking about in terms of crime, staffing, the city council. Well, it's interesting how all of this is relative to this overall public safety uh, conversation. So I'm going to play you Como's piece that came out a couple days ago. And let me know what your thoughts are. Play it up right now. The report shows it can take Seattle police more than an hour to respond to certain crimes. Kamos Tammy Mutas is live with the city council's response to the skyrocketing response times, as well as the ongoing staffing shortages. Tammy? Mary, SPD says the reckoning they've been warning about for over a year about staffing shortages and response times is now coming true. Seattle police warned this is exactly what would happen. Response times getting longer for certain crimes with the mass exodus of nearly 300 officers. This attrition is, is concerning and when we look at 911 response times as well. Today, the Seattle City Council Public Safety Committee taking notice during their discussions on the SPD quarterly finance and staffing report. The agency has uh, reduced its cost by about $13 million and saved uh, a lot of general fund. Most of this is due to uh, the departure of the officers and salary savings. 
I've talked to the mayor and police chief about the consequences of the defund SPD movement. And I said it before, if you tell a group of employees that half of them are going to lose their job, it's not surprising that people would leave. Even today, a court monitor said police staffing levels and the delayed response times are threatening the police reforms a federal judge overseeing the consent decree wants to see. What we can't do is, is, make, is, is starve the organization so much that they cannot actually do community policing. But city council is blaming SPD for their own staffing problems and response times. They say SPD can save $15 million from the salaries of people leaving. The council fully funded the hiring plan as proposed uh, by the mayor's office. Despite that, SPD says it's been tough recruiting and retaining officers in the city's divisive political climate. On a scale of negative 100 to positive 100, how strongly would you endorse a friend or family member coming to work where you work? SPDs is negative 50, which is bad. And last month, Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin asked the council to approve a bill that would lift $7.5 million in restrictions from SPD's budget. I asked the mayor's office, so what's the latest with this bill? And they sent me a statement saying the city council continues to hold millions of dollars of department budget hostage and has yet to act on the mayor and SPD's comprehensive budget proposal. If the council president now cares about recruitment and retention at the Seattle Police Department, she should look at departing officers' exit memos who note lack of support from city council as key reason. Back to you. So Como's piece, it's tied in directly to police staffing and the quarterly report to what is occurring with the police department, the city council funding, staffing numbers. And right now, based upon the numbers we've had, 300 gone, meaning police officers, we're looking at one hour response times. So who does that directly impact? It directly impacts you, the community. And who's at blame right now? Who's walking back their rhetoric from over the summer? Well, guess what? It's our friends at the city council who pushed this nonsense, who are now pivoting to blame the police for the staffing crisis, saying it's mismanagement of resources. Unbelievable to me, but not all that surprising. So we'll link the MyNorthwest.com, Jason Rance's article, highlighting President Council and current mayoral candidate Lorena Gonzalez's comments of walking back basically where they stood over the summer, where they were pushing 50% defund nonsense, which resulted in 300 cops leaving. Our StopToFunny.com pushed back on that pretty hard. Reasonable communities uh, rose up. So the council was only able to get about just over 20% of our funding. So why are they walking back that and then pivoting to blaming the police? Well, we're the easy target. Obviously, they always go to us as the target. And my view, she doesn't want to look as unreasonable as that activism was relative to her current campaign for mayor. She's trying to pivot. Well, guess what? We're not going to let you get away with it. So stay tuned more on the vaccine mandates and how it relates to public safety numbers. We could lose a lot more cops. Hopefully that's not the case. So our second topic that I think really needs attention that to me just really highlights public safety issues that have impacted our great city for over a decade. That's city attorney Pete Holmes. Well, Pete just conceded the race 
And where I think he made a, uh, just a drastic error is that he tried to malign and besmirch his political opponent, or one of his political opponents, by trying to stab me in the back to make them look bad. So he tweeted out a picture, we'll link it right here, um, of me with uh, somebody that was running against him. Now, just to paint you a picture of and give you some context, Spog does not endorse anybody for political office before the primary. We wait until after the primary. So we have to see who made it to the general. Now, I don't even know if we're going to endorse anybody. So for the record, we haven't endorsed anybody for any political race in the city of Seattle. And Pete, your attempt to malign and besmirch one of your political opponents by taking a picture with me a couple weeks ago, I think really hurt your chances of election. You knew poll numbers were looking good and you tried to get a bit of an uptick with the activist crowd to give you a boost. Didn't work. I think it might have cost you three to four points. I put it on the public. If you think that this tweet that Pete put out hurt his chances, message us. Let me know if my position is aligned with yours or if it's not. So here's his tweet. You can check it up on my uh, Twitter account at Real Mike Solon, where I tweeted it not too long ago, right after Pete uh, had this to say. In case you don't think elections have consequences, here is my Republican opponent last year with Spog President Mike Solon last year. So you've got last year twice, grammatically, and the way you're laying your tweets out shows it's not really done well. And then it's, it's, it's just a lame attempt to try to hurt somebody uh, with aligning with law enforcement at a time where I think, based upon the public safety issues impacting our city, city attorney would want to talk with law enforcement. Pete, you have a history of not doing that. And I think that's a reflection as to why you're no longer in the race. So bad move on your part. Didn't work out for you. And the fact that you conceded, I think that there's hope for Seattle and Seattle has spoken. And just to paint a little bit more of a picture of why this was bad for Pete, I hope you enjoyed our reaction to this. And right now I'm going to play you a little video response that I think a lot of people enjoyed. Let us know what you think. I'll tell you right now.
Pete, could you be any more out of touch? That's what that video really depicts, is the overwhelming response to your pathetic political attempt to try to garner votes on the back of me didn't work. And don't ever think that I wouldn't respond to that. I have to respond to that. Crime is through the roof under your leadership. People aren't being charged for their crimes. There's no accountability. Now, as the activist mob calls for more police accountability, so do you. But at the end of the day, this entire community needs public safety accountability. People, criminals, need to be held for their actions, held to account. I think this glaring issue with you, how out of touch you are, is the reason why you're no longer in office. And for the record, we haven't endorsed anybody for this campaign. So don't try to continue to paint us with another candidate for office for this seat. Hasn't happened yet, and I don't know if it will. So let us know what you think of the video in the comments below. I thought it was fantastic. Our team put a great job together. We had a few people push back against the loud music, but I thought it was kind of riveting. I liked it. Had a good sense of uh, flair and energy. That's what we need in this city. We need energy. We need focus on public safety issues. No more of the activist normal. You don't represent the reasonable crowd. Enough is enough. But I digress. Topic three, and this is the last of them. Insurrection two. The two that were terminated out of six. That just went down last week. Um, And as I've said publicly about this case, this has been politicized, politicized from the jump. The case file that I've had purview to it, that I've reviewed, doesn't paint the picture for this type of discipline. And what I mean by that is when the Director of Office of Police Accountability released his proposed findings in terms of termination, the OPA office released a press release that day. And in that press release, and we'll have a link to the description here of it, It said that these two officers witnessed the defiling of our democracy. And more importantly, contained within that same press release, it said that these two officers witnessed fellow law enforcement officers being assaulted. Well, that is 100% false. It is not proven in the case file that they did so. It is not proven in any form of other evidence that they witnessed any type of fellow law enforcement officer being assaulted. Contained within the case file is that they said that they got to the Capitol building just outside, standing on grass, at 2.30 in the afternoon. They were there from 2.30 to 3 o'clock. Now, it's my understanding, based upon the timeline, that the last breach of the Capitol on the west side occurred just a little bit after 2 o'clock. These two officers were adamant that they did not witness any criminality. Now, what they did see are people climbing some walls and waving flags. They had no idea that law enforcement had been assaulted, that there was any type of criminality occurring with inside the Capitol. They weren't in a position to see that. Now, what's really important in this position, too, is that these two have not, have not been charged with any crime. 
The FBI has not charged them with trespassing, nor have the D.C. Capitol Police. So then, if you look at what the discipline here is, it's termination. Now, there are police officers and there are firefighters. There are aspects of public safety that unfortunately have been convicted of crimes, and they're still working. These two weren't charged, haven't been uh, convicted of a crime, and yet they're terminated. So ask yourself, the audience, is that level of discipline appropriate or reasonable for these two for just being at the Capitol on January 6th? Mind you, the case file does not prove any criminal wrongdoing. Yes, they say that they were in a restricted area, But if they were in a restricted area, which they claim they did not see, and the case file does not prove that they could not see that, then is their termination reasonable? That's a serious question to ask. And that's one that the SPOG Board of Directors will have to take on in the coming weeks, whether or not we grant them a discipline appeal. And it's my understanding that these two have asked for an appeal, so we'll see if that happens. But just understand that this thing was politicized from the jump. And I believe in so I believe so much in the due process part of this. That's where I think the union's piece of this. Now we it comes in. We understand the optics of this case clearly. I mean, that was a bad day for our nation to have people do that at our capital, this the people's house. We totally understand the optics of it, especially in progressive Seattle. We get it. As I've said before, our membership has vast differing opinions in politics. We have people on the left. We have people on the right. We have people that see both sides and are in the middle. A third of us are persons of color. That's what I love about our union. That's what I love about our board. We have great debates at our board here at meetings. But where this case really highlights the lack of due process is, I can tell you from firsthand perspective, the day of their Laudermill hearing. Now, if you don't know what a Laudermill hearing is, it's basically that employee's Supreme Court protected right to face their final disciplinarian. In our case, the final disciplinarian is the chief of police. Just minutes before their Laudermill hearing was to start, where we state our case to try to influence the chief, hey, don't terminate them. Um, I was told that the night before the Laudermill hearing, there was already a termination meeting for those two officers set right after their Laudermill. So please tell me how that is respectful of the process, their due process rights, respectful of the Laudermill hearing, which is their Supreme Court protected meeting hearing. To me, it just doesn't show that. So to so that's stunning. It really angered me. And I'm going to do something about it. But that's just a small glimpse of what I just talked about in the last five minutes of how politicized this case has been. And we'll see where it shakes out. Obviously, that this process for an appeal, if we grant it, will take years. And these officers' careers are, are, are over. I just, I do, I do not know if they'll get their jobs back. If they do, it'll be years from now. So we'll see. Hey, thanks for watching. Please consider subscribing because maybe together 
we can all continue to hold the line.